on today's episode. The individual charcuterie boxes for me came like even before the pandemic. It was like party favors and things like that. So I made those months before I posted them. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, I want one. I want one. Can you sell it just by one? Because it was just for our events. You're listening to the Mind Your Biz podcast. Mehul Gandhi's Mind Your Biz podcast and related content are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Individuals should not act upon the content or information provided by the host or guests without first seeking their own advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other suitable professional. Welcome, everybody, to the Mind Your Biz podcast. We're coming to you from the Soundhouse Studios in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. My name is Mehul Gandhi, a local financial planner, and I am your host. Being a business owner is really hard. How do I know? Well, for starters, I am one. And my business involves me advising other business owners like you on all things financial. However, sometimes I don't have the answers. So over the years, I've learned how to best connect my clients with other experts in various fields. And this is what this podcast is all about. In each episode, I will interview a local business owner or expert who will share their insights on a specific topic or theme. My goal is for you to come away with ideas and strategies that will help you thrive. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, Biz Nation? Welcome to episode six of the Mind Your Biz podcast. Today's guest is Sadaf Rahimi, the founder and owner of Charcuterie Vancouver, a local business that creates charcuterie boards, boxes, and tables for holiday events and gatherings, uh, corporate gigs, and even individuals. We start off by talking about how Sadaf came up with this idea and how she made the huge decision to leave a well-paying job and make the business her full-time endeavor. Along the way, Sadaf drops some advice on how to build your social media following. She talks about the decision she made during the middle of the pandemic to open up a storefront. She shares with us her long-term vision and goal for Charcuterie Vancouver. And listen to the end where she actually turns the tables and asks me an interview question. We had a lot of fun recording this interview. Sadaf was candid, super inspiring in her message, and all around delight to have on the show. We hope you enjoy. Episode six, everybody. Welcome to the Mind Your Biz podcast. I've been doing backflips today. I'm not even going to lie. We have got Sadaf Rahimi of Charcuterie Vancouver here today. Sadaf, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited about being here. Man, we are excited. I know that certain followers and audience members have been messaging me. They're excited. I did leak this a little bit just because it's something that I think that you're a local story. You're like blowing up here in Vancouver with the awards you've won and all that. And we'll get into all that. So we really have been looking forward to this and are so gracious that you had the time for us because I know that you are incredibly busy and we're going to talk about that. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much. So you have a company called Charcuterie Vancouver. Let's just get the basics. Like firstly, for those listeners who do not know what charcuterie is, can you maybe educate us on the world of charcuterie? Absolutely. So the charcuterie, the term itself means cured meat. On the modern day, we've taken the cured meat, paired it up with cheeses, and now we've added like olives and mini pickles and fruit and just brought this beautiful piece of art together. And the charcuterie, the cured meat is like the centerpiece of it. And that's really what brings everything together. So that's what a charcuterie board is. A lot of people, they don't know exactly what it is. So they'll have like a vegan 
board or a cheese board or a fruit board or whatnot. And they're like, this is a fruit charcuterie board or a fruit vegan or like a vegan charcuterie. And it's not charcuterie means cured meat. So that's what we make. And of course we have the options for just cheese boards and fruit boards and things like that. But the main thing we do and how we started was the charcuterie boards. The charcuterie board. Okay. So I just learned something right there. I thought it was the entire thing. Obviously French background with charcuterie boards and maybe something similar to what an antipasto is in Italy. It's a lot of different European cultures have been doing this. I mean, you're going to throw meat and cheese and pickles and maybe some jams or preservatives on a board. I'm there any day of the week. <laughs> That's that, I can just live off that. So, and I think a lot of people are, I think it resonates with a lot of people. Walk us through your business as it is today. What is Charcuterie Vancouver as a business for you? For what it started was just to do boards and tables for events, big events, corporate events, and things like that. That was the dream. I wanted to do weddings and big gatherings. And then, of course, during the pandemic, changed a little bit. We had to pivot. I think about new ways that we're going to cater to people's events. So we made boxes and individual boxes, different size boxes that we could just wrap up, put our bow on it and send it behind someone's door, whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or no matter what kind of gift it is. And of course, for corporations that have their regular events, now they can have virtual events with charcuterie. It's really hard to send hot food. It's not, you can't even do that with Health Canada. So, but with charcuterie, you're supposed to keep it cold. So it works out quite nice. Right now, what we do is literally just making charcuterie boxes, all types, different sizes. And then Now that the restrictions are getting lifted, finally, we're back to making the big gathering boards and we just got some bookings for tables in the summer for weddings. That's what we specialize in. And these are these grazing tables that we've seen at uh, weddings pre-pandemic and other events where like a massive charcuterie board where people literally come through, graze, pick some stuff up and kind of come back and visit that table during the event itself. And it becomes centerpiece of the event. And a lot of times that I've seen this, like the modern day water cooler where people kind of hang out and chit chat and it kind of food breaks the ice, breaking bread kind of breaks the ice. And that's what I love about those grazing tables. There is this new dream, right, of the entrepreneur, the, the individual who makes the side hustle, the main hustle. We've heard this has been glamorized and romanticized through social media with people like Gary Vee and people like that. This is a little bit of a story. I've had a bit of your background involves this. Why don't you talk us through how you even got into this? How did it start? What were you doing prior to this? And how did you make this decision to pivot, as you mentioned, through uh, the pandemic? So initially, I've always wanted to have my own business. It's been a dream, but I always thought that it would have to be something that I completely invented or thought about. I always wanted to be in the makeup industry or something along those lines that never worked out. Before this, I was working at Microsoft. I went through a lot of roles there. And one of the roles that I had was community and event management. I had to host networking events. It was really hard to find food to cater these events that looked good and that were platters. It was the only option really we had was either a big catering company that we had to ask exactly what we wanted or save on foods. I would literally just go on their website or the cheese boxes. Seen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I know. The veggie boxes. That was really only option. So it got to a point where I would just make my own. I would just buy the meats and the cheeses and the fruits and I would just make the boards. I mean, it did not look anything close to what I make now, but it was good enough. My coworkers were happy. The customers were happy. And one day I saw my friend, he's the director of dining in Florida for a hotel. And he made a fancier charcuterie board and he sent it to me on Snapchat. 
And I was like, oh, I could up my charcuterie games, add some more <laughs> food color. And that's exactly what I did. And I'm like, I could sell these. Like, there's nobody that does these in Vancouver. And this was back to 2019 before this huge charcuterie trend. So I remember I was sitting down with my mom and asked, telling her about it. She was like, oh, there's no cooking involved? Like, really? I'm down. <laughs> she was so excited. She's like, I'll help you. And it's funny that like the word char in my language means four to her. She was like, what? What's charcuterie? That was cool. And then I just started making them and I started taking them to work. And then I had a colleague purchase and it was like a domino effect there. And then in November, I had someone request a donated board. It was a nonprofit organization. And when I asked how many people it was for, she said it was a hundred. So I was like, let me donate a table. I didn't have any photos of a table yet. So it was a win for me. It was a win for her. The entire event was uh, catered for and I uh, had beautiful photos afterwards. Actually, I was on crutches at the time. So my little brother was helping me navigate. Yeah, I saw this on social. Amazing tenacity. So it's like something you were like, I got to do this. It's a win-win. And this was your first, I guess, corporate gig, so to speak. Yes, that was my first corporate gig. And I did it for free. And what I had no idea about was that everyone at this event was CEO, a director, one of the executives in a company, a business owner. So what happened right after that was all of a sudden I have all these corporate orders, regular orders, and everything was concentrated in the Kitsilano area. This was all because of that one event. So that's why my heart is at Kitsilano is because of that. Beginning. That's where you got your start. You got your chance, so to speak. But it's okay. So you did this for free, which obviously is not the way people usually start a business is just doing stuff for free. I imagine that based on the photos, the quality of your ingredients are pretty quite high. So you're spending some money on that. You donated it. Of course, it was for a good cause. You did get some pictures in return. So that's obviously beneficial. You had no idea of who the audience was going to be? No, I had no idea. That's so wild. I just donated the table. Okay. And so I've been to a lot of corporate events and hosted them as well. And that's exactly what happens. You see something that you like, whether it's through catering or whatever it might be. And you're like, oh, where'd you get that? Who did that? And then all of a sudden now you've got it in, in your mind for the next event. Is that what happened? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. All of a sudden, business owners were reaching out to me like, hey, I was at an event. Your table was there. I'm wondering if I, if you do smaller portions, I want to order for my employees or I want to order for my clients. And it just took off from there, which was really exciting. That table was very beginning my business. And I spent over $1,000 creating that Wow! just in the ingredients. That was like a 12 foot table. It was huge. That's incredible. That's so wild. And so at that point, was it Charcuterie Van or was this just Sadat doing her thing? Yeah, that was still Charcuterie Vancouver. Okay. It was two months after we launched. So the lady that reached out to me, she just literally Googled Vancouver Charcuterie or Charcuterie Vancouver. And my website came up and she just reached out to me. And at the time, there was almost no companies in Vancouver doing this thing. And now there's over 100 probably. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about that because I think I obviously had a bigger influence than people think in that. That was pre-pandemic, obviously, because it was a corporate event. Yes. Okay. And then walk us through what happened. So were you still at Microsoft at that time? Yes. So I was still at Microsoft at that time, but that during that specific event, I was off work because I fell on my knee, was injured. And that was, I think, one of the only days that I got out of bed and I was like, I have to do this. Just took my crutches and went into that table. And then it was during those six weeks that I was off work that I was able to sit down in bed and just work on this business marketing, doing promotions, being able to engage with my audience, that's when I realized that I never wanted to work for someone again. And I just wanted to work for myself and that this was just so amazing. Couldn't fathom the idea that I was going to go back to work and report to someone and not do this. 
And then coincidentally, someone else reached out to me from a Microsoft partner company. They recruited me for a position that was more like a hybrid. So I was able to work from home and go to the office a couple of times a week. That really worked out well because I was able to do this right in the afternoons or if it was in the mornings. So I ended up quitting Microsoft, working for a partner. I was a senior project manager there and it was all technology. I was doing digital transformation. So mainly working with companies to go from their old ways to the new ways of technology, which I mean, right at the beginning of the pandemic, all of a sudden everyone was reaching out to us and be like, yeah, we need this. We need this. Yeah. Upgrade our tech so that we can exist virtually and continue on. And so you were with this company at what point? I mean, obviously the, the knee injury was blessing in disguise, which gave you that time and space to really figure out what you wanted to do. Actually, before we go into that, when you sat down in those six weeks and you were getting into the marketing, where did you start? Like, how did you decide what you wanted your voice to be or the voice of the company to be? And, and what gave you the direction for your marketing? For my marketing, honestly, I just really wanted to increase my brand awareness. I wanted a lot of people to know what Charcuterie Vancouver was and just the idea of charcuterie boards. So I was doing giveaways. I was doing huge promotion at the time. My boxes were already so cheap. I was making them at cost. And then I was adding promotions to that and being like 50% off. And then all of a sudden there was like dozens of people ordering. And for me, that was totally fine that I was doing that at way less than cost because those were my boxes in someone's hands, whether it was going to an office or a party or wherever it was, people are going to ask, oh, where did you get that? Especially at that time, it was such a new concept. So that's what I was doing. I was basically just free for all, giving away everything and just doing promotions. I even did... After that, I did uh, promotions for tables for 50% off. And at the time I was already charging. So like looking back, I was like literally charging costs for tables. And then I added like 40% off. So I was like way below cost. So you're losing but, money on these tables. Yeah, I was definitely losing, like literally paying out of pocket for every table that I was doing. But the number of tables that I think was only like four or five that I did at that 40% off. There was hundreds of people at those events. I got at least three or four customers out of each. I mean, and then obviously the pandemic happened. So nothing really worked with that. I had to refund everyone anyways. But the name got out there. Yeah, exactly. My name got out there. And, I, and it's a cost of marketing, isn't it? I mean, what was the alternative? Take out ads, Facebook ads, things like that, where you were going to spend money. But the product itself, it speaks for itself. And just the way and just in how beautiful it is, automatically, all people have to do is show up and there's the advertisement, there's the marketing done. I think it's brilliant that you gave a little at the beginning in order to scale and then get to the point where you're at now. I think that's a brilliant strategy. So then what happened when during the pandemic and how did you make this decision to like, all right, I'm going to do this all in? So the beginning of the pandemic, the last table I think I did was like March 14th and the next day they announced everything shutting down. So obviously I just shut down the whole business. I canceled all the orders that were coming up. I was like, okay, we're going to close for two or three weeks. What I thought was going to be two, two like we all <laughs> did, we right? All, yeah. One, two, three weeks, I turned into four, five, six weeks. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're probably going to completely shut down. I don't know when this is going to end. And I had to refund all the deposits for that summer. By then I had spent the money on marketing and materials and just ordering more supplies. So Everything that I refunded was literally just out of pocket, out of my own save, personal savings account. I had to refund every customer for everything that we had booked. And then in May of 2020, I got laid off. So I got laid off for what was supposed to be two or three weeks. So I was like, okay, well, I hate being bored. Like I can't just sit in bed and watch Netflix. So as soon as I got laid off, 
I was like, okay, business starting back up. Let's get back to it. Yeah, let's get back to it. We're really going to focus again. So that's what I did. I went with my brother and I took him and I went to Costco and I bought a bunch of different things and I made, I went home and I made a bunch of demo boxes, birthday box, Father's Day, Mother's Day, brunch, everything. And I just took a million photos and I started posting them on Instagram. And that's when I posted a mini box. Actually, at the time when I first made a mini box, my friend, she had an Indian wedding. So she had to send these little gift boxes. I think it was with the invitations. So she needed tiny charcuterie boxes. And that's where the idea came from. So the individual charcuterie boxes for me came like even before the pandemic. It was like party favors and things like that. So I made those months before I posted them. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, I want one. I want one. Can you sell it just by one? Because it was just for our events because the cost would have been quite high at the time. If I was only selling one or two a day, I would have to spend like 80 bucks on ingredients and then sell them for like $40. It didn't make sense. That's where that started. And then so I was laid off. I had all the time to market for that stuff. People loved the individual boxes and the birthday signs and all that stuff. And then I got a call from my boss. He's like, hey, Sarah, we want you back. So I had to go back after two weeks. Obviously, it was fully virtual. And I remember having my work laptop and then my personal laptop on the side and like the orders are just coming in and I'm over here trying to do my project management job over here, like replying to DMs. And at the time I was only getting like two to three orders a day. But then even that I'm like, okay, if I'm getting two to three orders a day and now I'm working full time, I can't even imagine what would happen if I quit my job and fully focused on this. So the second day I had a few tasks to complete for work and my brain just wasn't there. My head wasn't there. I don't think I can do this. And it was like, I felt like it was unfair to my boss as well. He relied on me. I I had a pretty big role in the company, but it might, I wasn't fully there. So I spoke to him and I'm like, Hey, I think I need some time off, or I think I need to completely step back from this and really focus on my business and see what happens. He honestly didn't, he was shocked. Like he didn't think that this like food business would do well. He couldn't believe that I left a six-figure salary job to make charcuterie boards. So he was kind of shocked and he was like, okay, well, you can take a couple months off and then by August, let me know. We'll, we'll love to have you back, see how it goes. So I was like, okay, I'll let you know. He reached out to me in August. I was like, no, it's still pretty busy. Sorry. And then in October, he reached out to me again. He's like, hey, I have a contract job. It's just going to be one day a week. And the pay was really high (laughs) and I still had to shut it down. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to be really busy during the holidays. So I'm just going to risk it and see what happens. If it doesn't end up paying my bills, whatever, I'll go in debt, but I'm still going to take that risk. So I didn't take the job and I took the risk and I continued to work on the business like 24 seven. I was working 16 hours a day. And during the holidays, I was working like I was probably sleeping three to four hours a day. So 25 days straight, I worked in December, sleeping like four hours a day. So like 20 hours a day. But that's the passion. What was the reason, do you think, like when you were faced with that decision in May, I could see you had this safety net that if it doesn't work out in August, when my boss calls, I can just roll back in and no harm, no foul. It's all good. But when he called in August and you had this decision to make, I mean, you must have been like, Okay. And then again, in October with this like amazing contract one day a week, you probably could have made work for this great money. What went through your mind? Like, how did you come to the decision that you're like, no, listen, I am staying in my lane. I'm staying focused on this business. Talk to me about that. To be honest, like just thinking back, it was really hard. I couldn't sleep for days thinking about that. I was like, what if the business doesn't do well? It's, you know, middle of the pandemic, people are like 
desperate for jobs. And here I am with such an amazing offer. Like, what am I doing? What should I do? I talked to my friends, my family, everyone told me to accept the job. They're like, it's just one or two days a week. Yeah, really good pay. You should just do it. And for me, I was like, okay, that eight to 16 hours that I'm going to work on this, what would the ROI be on that if I worked that much for my own business? That's how I thought about that. So like, would the ROI be more than how much I'm getting paid here? And to be honest, at the time, that would have been a no in terms of if I broke that down hourly, that was not making more than what I would have been making at the job. But for me, it was always envisioning the future. Okay, I'm not going to make that much now, but if I'm working on this an extra 16 hours a week now in 2021, this is what the ROI is going to be like. And that's exactly what happened. And I'm so glad I did that because all of a sudden in November, we were getting emails and calls probably 20 times a day. I had to hire a full-time admin to help me with all of the orders, invoicing, estimates, Instagram, and all of that stuff because it was just insane. I had to suddenly hire like two or three temporary workers for December. And like, I would not have been able to do that job if I had taken it like Monday, even if it was just Monday and Tuesday, there's no way. Monday was like the only day I wasn't taking orders in December, but it was the day I was like doing all the admin stuff, shopping more supplies, all that stuff. So it was just literally no sleep that whole month. So I'm so glad I made that decision. To me, it speaks to your courage. Even if you want to look at it from a, from a return on investment standpoint, it wasn't there yet. It was still a large risk you were taking when you had a sure thing in your hand. Where do you think you developed this courage from? Is this something that developed as a child? Did you Have you shown other instances of courage in your life before? I don't know. I think the only other time that I can think about is 20 or 21 years old when I was working at Microsoft, I applied for a promotion in Edmonton, just like randomly. I was this is my dream job at Microsoft. But I was like, there's no way they're going to give it to me. It required a degree and all this stuff, which I didn't have. I was 21 years old and I ended up getting the job and they're like, okay, you're moving to Edmonton in two weeks. Here's your offer letter. And I was like, okay. And being Afghan to my mom, like, Hey, I'm moving to Edmonton in two weeks. And she like completely freaked out. So that was definitely a huge move and moment in my life to this day. I think that was, yeah, about five, six years ago. For me, that took a lot of courage to just pick up everything and just move to Edmonton, which is such a dead city. No offense to anyone from Edmonton. Yeah. Shout out to our Edmonton fans. <laughs> love Edmonton. But yeah, no, but coming from Vancouver to Edmonton, um, at 21, not knowing anybody and not being plugged into like, whatever the scene is there. Of course, that's a daunting move. But one of the people I listen to and read a lot, uh, Ed Milet, he talks about success leaving clues. Success leaves clues in our lives, if you look back. And that's definitely something that you basically prove to yourself that you could take a big leap, make a sudden change in your life and do it and win. That's a great example of courage. I see, I see that. And I'm sure you probably don't remember, but as a kid, I'm sure you had, you were probably a pretty courageous child as well. It was probably just part of something you did. And so you mentioned Afghan parents. Are you from Afghanistan as well? Were you born there as well? No. So that's a long story. I'll make it short. But uh, so my parents are from Afghanistan. They were escaping Afghanistan. And that's exactly when I was born. So during the escape, I was born in Pakistan. So my older brother was born in Afghanistan. So he was with us. I was born in Pakistan. And then we escaped to go to Russia. That's when my other brother was born. And then nine years later, we got to Canada and my third brother was born. So literally all four of us are born in four different countries. That's amazing. We'll have to have you back about whole that. That's a whole other episode right there. <laughs> yeah. 
that's pretty cool. And just that, there's been so much said about immigrants and children of immigrants and the way that we are raised coming to a country like Canada or the U.S. where parents are trying to protect you and, and keep you on that straight and narrow path. And usually it's, you know, become a doctor, engineer, computer scientist, something like that, lawyer. It's in our DNA to take that risk because that's what our parents did. Maybe it's what our grandparents did. And that, and oftentimes that'll produce entrepreneurs, right? You have that entrepreneurial mindset. You said you always wanted to have a business. You just weren't sure what it was yet. You've alluded to Instagram and taking photos and things like that. I met you or connected with you through Instagram. How important and to what extent do you use social media to grow your business? And how important has it been in growing your business? Social media has probably been the main reason that has helped me get to where I am today. Instagram is just a free platform that you can promote your business and promote your brand. So that's how the business started. As soon as I bought my domain, built my website, I was on Instagram. I made an Instagram account. It's obviously helped me build this amazing community that we have gotten to today. And, you know, for me, I always say, I think it's because I share a lot. I'm very transparent on there. I'm sharing my personal life and my professional life, the ups and the downs. And that's really helped me get that audience and community to really support our company and our brand and even support me personally. I think some of the things that how I started was literally just being consistent in posting. I recommend to post at least once a day. And at this point, I can't even do that. So I would say three times a week minimum. And you should always have a story at least, I would say once a day. And then as you're growing your business, I would say five to 10 stories a day. There's a lot of companies that think that they need to get a marketing person to create everything for them, all the visuals. And honestly, you don't need to. I think if you just hop on your stories and talk about what you're doing today, show some behind the scenes, that literally takes minutes. You don't have to go on an app and edit something and do a fancy video about your new product. People don't care about your product every day. Like I have 23,000 followers. Not all 23,000 people are going to buy from me. A lot of them just want to support the brand and maybe they'll buy something in the future. So if I'm just constantly putting in photos of my product, buy this, buy this, buy this, people are just going to get annoyed and stop following you. But if you're consistently sharing and engaging with them, asking them questions, getting them to engage in your comments, like for example, some of the things I asked the other day was I posted a picture of board and what would you dig in first? Instead of being like, this is our medium board. This has how much it costs. Visit our website to purchase it for your next event. You can do that maybe once every couple of weeks, but you should have those engaging posts that get your customers really involved, giveaways. One of the other things that I do is the scavenger hunts. That's just Vancouver. It's like become this little cult following in Vancouver. Explain <laughs> that. How do you even come up with this idea? It's genius. So I honestly have to give full credit to my older brother, Ahmed, for that idea. He was like, before you open your store, you should do like a huge scavenger hunt in Kitsilano at Kitts Beach. So I was like, that's a really good idea. And I remember a few days later, I ordered these tiny little charcuterie boxes. And the idea was to make them and literally just go down West 4th, which is where our store is, and just give it to the business owners and the businesses there and just be like, hey, we just opened a store here. This is us. Check us out. And with a little mini little box. And then I took one and then I hid it in Kitsilano at a beach and I posted on my story and like within minutes someone found it and I was like holy cow I was like what and then I was like okay let's do this again 
The next day I put it in Yelltown. Someone found it within like three minutes. And then West Van, North Van, English Bay. I even went to Surrey one day. I drove all the way to Surrey and I was like, okay, there's probably not going to be that many people. I almost had to disguise myself because there were so many people there just waiting for me to come and hide this charcuterie box. They get a $50 gift card when they find the box and they get to keep the box. So it's fun. And especially during a pandemic, it's just been a fun activity, but there's been thousands of people that have actually participated in this and the engagement on my Instagram stories almost triple every time I do those scavenger hunts. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> wow. And so Ahmed's now like director of marketing for, for <laughs> yeah. Vancouver. Like, what? That's, That's what he always says. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. That is a brilliant idea. That is so cool. And what a way to engage people. And going back to what you were saying earlier, remaining authentic, being consistent. Of course, we've heard so much when you're trying to build your social media following, whether it's a personal brand or business brand, and it's worked for you wonderfully. I mean, that's how we connected through social media. And then of course, like you said, you don't have to like, everything doesn't have to be super highly produced and like really professionally done. If you're staying authentic, you know, sharing stories, you're adding value, you're connecting with your audience. It's great. Instagram has so much now that you can actually, the stickers that you can use to just to turn a video into something higher produced, whether it's filters or even just a new caption feature and all that totally makes a huge difference. And then of course, I love Canva. Canva takes just a lifesaver. That's like, you can't even mess around without that. So that's awesome. So you're going through the pandemic. You've got the scavenger hunt thing going. You've got the boxes that are being delivered. I know for Mother's Day, you were super busy. I know upcoming Father's Day is coming up. I probably shouldn't even say this. You're probably already full. I probably shouldn't even like mention this, but that's one of your biggest holidays. And I want to talk about that because that was a mind bender for me. But then you make this decision like, hey, let's open up a storefront. How did that even come into being when you were basically in the pandemic, not knowing what was going to happen? And walk us through that decision to go to go to a storefront and what that vision Absolutely. is. Absolutely. So the storefront idea, I'm thinking back to last summer, is that's when I had the idea of having a storefront. Actually, the first store I viewed was August 2020, which was like two months after I, the time I got laid off and decided to do this full time. And it was a store in Yelltown and I went to view it. I loved it, but then times were still uncertain. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how long the lockdowns were going to go for. So I was like, oh, let me wait until like January. Maybe I can look at it in January or like December. Maybe by, for some reason, I feel like everyone thought 2021, the pandemic would be over. In Yelltown, I mean, I went and the rents in Vancouver is just absurd. I mean, at the time it was actually cheaper than normal. It still is cheaper than normal. So if anyone's looking for leases in Vancouver, the landlords are desperate to give them away because everyone's leaving. But well, you know, with that being said, it's still probably one of the most expensive places on earth to get a storefront, to be honest. Like Robson Street, Yelltown, you're looking at like Robson Street is just absolutely insane. It's like fifty thousand dollars for like a fifteen hundred square foot place a month. And when you're looking at a place like that, you typically have to pay three months upfront. So they're looking at like 150k that you just have to just for that lease. So the the amount of loans that you have to go through is insane. But then I found this cafe on a website back in January. So I saw it in January and I was like, my mom's always dreamt of having a coffee shop. That's just been her dream her whole life. Even when I was a kid, she's wanted to own a coffee shop. So when I came up with the idea, I was like, okay, well, I could keep the coffee and the baked goods. And this could just be the main thing or the added on thing. Because sometimes I'm like, okay, what if charcuterie is just a trend and it's just right now? Coffee's never going to go anywhere. Baked goods are never going to go anywhere. So 
when 10, 20 years from now, if charcuterie ever dies, I don't think it will. <laughs> I still have coffee and baked goods to sell. And coffee is just has really good margins. People are always walking by, grabbing a cup of coffee that, I don't know, costs the cafe probably under a dollar and they sell it for like oh, yeah. six dollars. Way under a dollar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, to be honest, in Vancouver, the prices are high because people are just trying to pay the lease. <laughs> That's where most of the cost yeah. comes from. And to people be honest. will pay. Yeah, exactly. And people will pay. So that's where the idea came from. And I viewed this coffee shop back in January and the process was just insane. It took forever. And especially because my business was only a year old. So I don't have a lot of credit history with the business. It was so hard to get approved for everything. I mean, thankfully our financials for 2020 was quite amazing, I would say. And that's really helped us get the place and the lease and for the landlord to not look at me and be like, what is this 26 year old? She doesn't know what she's doing. Get into the store. So that really helped. And now we're in the middle of renovations, getting things going, designing the place and hopefully opening by August. But when Vancouver, it's so hard to get these permits and licenses and work with the health department, like just the permits take months. And what a lot of people don't know is you have to get your place before you apply for these permits. And that means you have to pay your lease every month. And if you're in a store like on Robson Street, you're paying like 50 grand a month and still waiting for the city to just reply to your email or assign an agent to you. I mean, that's where we're at right now. We've been paying for three months now. Still no answer from the city on when we can open our storefront. I'm really hoping someone gets assigned to us soon so that we could open by July or August. But I have no idea because that's totally up to them and when they're going to respond. Absolutely. And you got to be patient. But at the same time, there's this obviously sense of urgency because like you said, you're, you're making this lease payment every month. And then the tenant improvements, which again, never go smooth. I mean, we've got a small bathroom renovation going on right now that was supposed to be knocked out in a week and we ran into unforeseen delays. That's the reality of it all. So the concept's going to be a cafe, baked goods, and then the charcuterie boards are going to be a part of that. Now, are these, do people come in and eat the board, like literally order a board and eat it there? It's a takeaway as well, the boxes and all that. Yeah. So the main concept would be to order your board, come pick it up. And then you can also come to the store and just pick up boards without having to order. We have so many last minute clients that are like, do you have a board available for today? And typically it's no, because we just make everything by order. So that's going to be the concept. I mean, our seating is quite limited. I think it's 10 people right now. So just be, come grab a coffee, sit down, or maybe like a mocktail, like a fancy drink with a little charcuterie board. So we'll have that as well for dine-in. But I mean, for me, when I thought about this a few months ago, the whole Kitsilano area and having a store, I was like, even if the store has no ROI, it's going to be good marketing for me just to have a storefront. As soon as I announced the storefront in Kitsilano, there's going to be a lot more people that know the brand. That's what I was thinking. And Kitsilano is such a tight like community. Everybody knows all the stores that are on that strip on West 4th. Even if you're not from Kitsilano, like I grew up in Burnaby and Surrey and I knew 90% of the stores in Kitsilano. That was the idea. And then I had no clue what that would turn into. Soon as I announced the store, like the Daily Hive posted me on Monday. And I was like, I woke up and I was in bed. And it was like 10 in the morning. Someone sent me a link and I was like shaking because I couldn't believe Daily Hive posted an article about me. It was like my name's on there about my company. I was like posting on my story and I was like, my hands were shaking. I couldn't believe it. 
And then followed by them, it was like the Vancouver Sun, the province, Vancouver's awesome, the university articles, like just everyone. Was that your kind of big moment? Was that where you kind of realized like, okay, this is kind of a big deal now? Is yeah, at that, that point, I'm like, uh, I think my store's too small now. <laughs> <laughs> you got to knock down some walls. That was crazy. But that thought of me being like, this is good for marketing totally worked out because I can't even imagine how many people that reached. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for listeners out of province, Daily Hive is a big deal here. It's a really big, has a huge following as a basically digital magazine. And it's the who's who and what's what in Vancouver. So congratulations for being on that and well-deserved for sure. Now, one of the things I want to touch on, Sadaf, was actually the way I actually first heard about you was a good friend of mine. My wife and I were over at at her house pre-pandemic, and she had said that she had learned about you. Oh, no. So she had taken a course and she brought out like a little mini board and the, the salami or whatever it was, was rolled up in a nice little rose. And I'm like, where'd you learn how to do that? Like that's next level. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm charcuterie Vancouver. And I took this like on the zoom course and all this kind of thing. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm assuming that was you. <laughs> and where did you get this? I mean, pure vertical integration, this idea to be like, all right, well, not only am I going to sell this stuff, I'm going to show other people how to do it. Actually, I started another company based on charcuterie, just digital. It's called the Charcuterie Academy back in March. I've been wanting to do this for almost a year. And the idea was there's a lot of people that follow me that are not from Vancouver. A lot of people that want to make this themselves and they don't want to come out and buy one or they think it's easier or whatnot, but they can't make it as pretty. So I decided to use online. There's also a lot of charcuterie companies that really don't know what to do. What's the next step? So that's what the Charcuterie Academy is. So the basic is just teaching people how to make their own boards. It's really good for corporate virtual events. Actually, tomorrow I have a big one for Sun Life. We're doing for their clients or their employees, but just everyone across Canada is getting a little kit of everything, salami, cheese, and things like that. And I just go live and I show them exactly how to build it. And now they have their own board in front of them that they've built. I think the feeling of doing it yourself is just so much greater than just having it delivered to your door. I think that's great too, but that was the idea. And so for the classes, I just send everyone a list. I'm like, here, this is exactly what you need. These are the stores you can shop at. This is how big your board should be. And we're going to get on the call and build our own boards. And the response has just been amazing. Amazing. I love doing them. I mean, so interactive, empowering for the person who's never done anything like that. Like I'm an artistic or creative type very much. So that would be so cool. And also just, they're always going to remember you're going to come up in a conversation like Charcuterie Vancouver. Sadaf showed me how to do this, right? She's actually got a store opening up in Kitsilano. Like we should go check it out. Brilliant. I think that's really cool. So that's how I heard about you. So obviously word spread from just doing that. So what's next? Assuming permits go through, everything goes through smoothly, you open up. What's next for for Charcuterie Vancouver? (laughs) I'm really focused on just the store opening, just building a bigger team so that I can really step back and just oversee everything. And I'm getting really close to doing that. So that's been really nice and refreshing. And the next step is probably for 2022, we're going to franchise the brand. If you want to start a business in Toronto or Victoria or San Francisco, Miami, wherever, like we're, we're going to, we're working, I'm working with my lawyer and my CPA right now to franchise the brand. And that's probably going to launch for 2022. Once we do all the paperwork and trainings for that, that's the next huge step for us. And will that franchise be a storefront franchise or is it virtual franchise? It would be how we started. So just operating out of a commercial kitchen. 
So they would have basically all of our marketing, everything would be on brand, but it would be their city name. So it'd be like Charcuterie Toronto, Charcuterie Kelowna, whichever city they're. Brilliant. I'm going to be on the lookout. I'm from Toronto <laughs> originally, so I'll be checking in with my buddies out there, seeing if that's that's fantastic. I love it. This has been so wonderful speaking with you. I knew it was going to be, but then it was like even more. You've been so open and candid. So I think you've taught me a lot. And I think a lot of the listeners have got a ton of value. I do have one last question for you. What is your favorite ingredient on the board? What are you <laughs> going for first? The first thing I always go for is brie and jam on a cracker. That's like my go-to. I just, I could eat brie forever. That's what I love. <laughs> there you go. A little fig jam or some preservative. Yeah, totally. It's definitely the fig jam. <laughs> Lovely. So nice. Amazing. I personally go for the pickles every time. A sucker for pickles or olives. But that's <laughs> just me. I think that we talked about marketing, the way that you have used leverage social media, the way you go to it or, or sorry, go about it and your strategy there. So amazing. And we talked about so many things, but what really stuck with me is the courage piece and just taking that jump. And I think that's really kind of stick with me for the next few days, just this story. And I know that because you have this courage in you, all your dreams, all your wishes are going to come true and success is just eminent. So thank you so much, Sadat, for the time that you've spent with us and, and for all the advice you've imparted to our listeners. On behalf of the Mind Your Biz, Biz Nation, as we call ourselves, wish you all the best. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Actually, before I hop off, I'm just going to ask you a quick question. Ask me a question. Okay. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> What motivated or inspired you to start this business? Oh, wow. Thank you for the question. It's a good one. So in my day job, in real life, I'm a financial planner. I have been for 13 years. I'm independent and I work with business owners. That's what I do. And uh, over the last, I'd say 10 years, really focusing on working with business owners, I really focus on building the relationships. And I get these questions that I just don't have the answers to. So I've created this network of other professionals, other individuals around me that I can refer my clients to get the best advice and kind of create this experience for the client where they feel like whatever their problem is, their issue is that they're running into in their business, sometimes in their personal life, we're going to help them. I looked at over the past 10 years, all the people, all the advice, all the things I've learned, all the network, the connections I've made. And I just thought, how can I share this to a greater audience? Because I'm only going to meet a fraction of business owners throughout my career and throughout my life. But there's so many business owners that are going to have the same questions, the same roadblocks or challenges. And there's going to be people that have the answers and the solutions to that. And that community needs to be formed. They need to be connected because running a business is hard. I'm a business owner. You're a business owner. That's a hard thing to do. And most businesses fail statistically. So anything and everything we can do as a community to support one another in small business so that we all win and all see success as we define it. I think uh, needs to happen. So that's my goal, help other business owners find success and create a community of business owners with integrity. And hopefully they feel empowered after they listen to an episode like this. That's amazing. Well, I know that I was super excited to be on this uh, talk with you. And uh, now I'm so thankful that I did it. You've been absolutely amazing. And I can't wait to see where this goes for you as well. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's uh, very, very kind of you. And I hope that we can, once things kind of open up a bit more, maybe we can come in and visit your store and share the vision and the success of the store with the fans. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that. Thank you so much again. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Sadaf. All the best. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye. 
love this episode of the Mind Your Biz podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Mind Your Biz Pod and check out our website, mindyourbizpod.com. Mind your See you next time.